Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. In our gospel, Jesus comes across ten men with leprosy. Leprosy takes its name from the Greek word meaning scales. In the ancient world, a lot of skin diseases, even relatively harmless and not contagious skin diseases, were mislabeled as leprosy. True leprosy, which many did have, was a terrible and excruciating skin disease that looked like you had scales on your skin. And it would often lead to the loss of limbs, and even the loss of life. This leprosy is now curable, but it wasn't in Jesus' day. The disease was long thought to be highly contagious, and so quarantine colonies were created for people with leprosy or for people who even were thought to have leprosy, uh, but may have only had something like, like psoriasis. Whether you actually had it or not, you were forced to live out the rest of your life there in one of these colonies far removed from the rest of society. And the expectation was that you were going to die there. It's this reason Jesus comes across the ten as he's crossing the border between Samaria and Galilee. You couldn't get any farther from society. The Jews of Galilee and the Samaritans of Samaria hated each other. You heard about this in the parable of the Good Samaritan last Sunday. But now, here in this leper colony on the border, Jews and Samaritans live together. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter your ethnicity because you are just a leper. A filthy and contagious leper. Now put yourself into the context of the ancient world. If you were to get this disease of leprosy, what would your reaction be? So you first notice the scales on your skin, and, and the reality that you have this disease begins to set in. It, it's no longer just some abstract thing out there that, that other people get that you hear uh, on the news, but you have it you know that this means that very soon you will need to leave home and live in one of these colonies, an outcast of society. People will live in fear of you. Can you imagine the depression that someone might feel? Can you imagine uh, the fear someone might have, the fear over what's going to happen? How easy it would be to, to just give up and lose heart? The more things change, the more they stay the same. We still have problems with ethnicity. We are for sure terrified of anyone with a certain disease or who we think even may have it. And just Friday, new statistics were released about the great percentage of young people with negative mental health problems. But none of these are really the point of why Luke is telling us this account. And it's not really why Jesus has come to these ten men. 
because there's actually a bigger problem. And that problem is the same one that's pointed out by St. Paul in Galatians 5. That problem is our sinful flesh. Paul writes, Now the works of the sinful flesh are obvious, not so dissimilar to the obvious uh, uh, nature of leprosy. Sexual immorality, impurity, complete lack of restraint, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and things similar to these. I warn you, just as I also warned you before, that those who continue to do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does it matter getting back into society if you have to spend eternity separated from God? And the truth is that we all need to be shown constantly our sin, the great depth of our sin, so we know what great danger sin puts us in. We've all done these obvious works of the sinful flesh at various times in our lives, and we still do some of them. And we act, we look and act like sinners. When St. Paul describes our sin, he describes a great conflict that takes place within us, almost as if he's describing how the body's immune system actively tries to fight off a, a disease. Only in this case, the conflict is between the flesh and the spirit. Now, when St. Paul uses the word flesh, it, it's almost like a dirty word. You can think of the scaly sin as something unspeakable, a sign of the deeper and permanent corruption of our hearts and bodies. It's so deep a corruption that nothing in us can fight it off. Something from the outside must be done to us. That's the work of the Spirit. And there's this constant conflict in Christians between the flesh and the Spirit. Now, for someone who is not a Christian, for them it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do, because whatever you do, whatever makes you happy, Whatever serves you best, you do you. But for the Christian, Paul admits that there are sins which we know are wrong, but we honestly want to do them. We might even have a, a proclivity towards them. Because while we have the Holy Spirit working in them, or working in us, uh, uh, sorry, uh, but because we have the Holy Spirit working in us, we do not continue to do them. Now, there's a difference between struggling with temptation, as Paul says, so that you do not continue to do these things that you want to do, and persistently continuing in the works of the flesh. Luther called it having a pretense of piety that believes that the sin someone is engaged with is, is either not that big of a deal or else not a sin at all. And, and continuing in a sin by downplaying its significance uh, or making ex excuses is different than actually wrestling with sin, wrestling with the flesh, knowing that sin is damning and wanting to do better, but struggling to continue and carry it out. This could be anything. Someone could struggle, for instance, with pornography. 
Someone might struggle with addiction to drugs or alcohol. Someone might struggle with selfishness. Someone might struggle with homosexuality, with sex before marriage. Someone might struggle with cursing or lying, a lack of patience or anger. Someone might struggle with pride. Someone might struggle with any sin, know and believe it is wrong and damning, and yet fall into it again and again and again because of the weakness of their flesh. If you are one of those people, and I know you all are, because we all struggle against sin, know that there is no better place for you to be than here with Christ. If you struggle with pornography, with addiction, with homosexuality, with anger, with pride, with anything, you will not be forced to go away. We will not taboo you. We will not separate ourselves from you. We will not quarantine you. We will not reject you. Rather, whatever I can do to help you get out from being enslaved to whatever sin you struggle with, I will do. And realize that, that I may struggle with this too because I too am a sinner that wrestles with my flesh. This is my calling as pastor. My door is always open to forgive you your sin and to remove your guilt. Because this is the method that Christ uses to deal with sinners. He doesn't tell them, tell them to get away. He does what they ask him. Lord, have mercy on us. And he does. The Christian response to sin is the same as those men with leprosy. It's not to persist in it and make excuses, but to want to be rid of it. And so to repent of it and to ask for God's help and mercy. And realize that a Christian may struggle with a particular sin their entire life. They may never be able to be rid of it this side of heaven. Addiction is enslaving. It's not easy for us all who, who have the sinful flesh and wrestle with it to get out from it. But that doesn't make someone not a Christian. Let me say that again. That doesn't make someone not a Christian. If it did, there would be zero Christians. A Christian is not someone who does all the right things. A Christian is a sinner who comes before God in repentance and in faith that trusts the word and forgiveness of Jesus. When I was a kid, my neighbors had a tree house. I jumped off at one time, not realizing that my pants had gotten snagged on a nail as I jumped down. My pants ripped all the way down in the back. My neighbors uh, immediately pointed that out to me, and it was embarrassing. So it is with sin. It's offensive to be made aware of your sin. In fact, it hurts. But it is the best possible thing for someone stuck in a certain sin to be made aware of it. Kind of like how a person with leprosy needed to become aware of their condition. 
And yet, unlike a person with leprosy in Jesus' day, for us sinners, there is hope. Martin Luther commented on this passage from Galatians, and I love the encouragement he gives. Listen to this. When someone becomes aware of this battle of the flesh, he should not lose heart on this account. But by the Spirit, he should fight back and say, I am a sinner. I am aware of my sin, for I have not yet put off my flesh, to which sin will cling as long as it lives. But I will obey the Spirit rather than the flesh. That is, by faith and hope, I will take hold of Christ. <clears throat> I will fortify myself with his word, and thus fortified, I will refuse to gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. Help comes from the outside. You cannot on your own overcome sin. Each one of us needs to fortify ourselves with the word and promises of God. And what does the word of God say? Paul writes, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. I want you to notice something about that verse. Notice the verbs. Those who belong to Christ, that's passive, have crucified, again passive, the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. It does not say those who commit themselves to Christ will crucify their sinful flesh and not sin. The action of, your, of crucifying your sinful flesh he has done, has been done already by Jesus. In our gospel, Jesus tells these ten men to go to the temple. Now, going to the temple was prohibited if you had leprosy. So they couldn't even go and atone for their sins. And yet it was the priest's job, not a doctor, to determine if someone was clean from leprosy because ultimately it was a spiritual issue. By the way, there's a parallel to today. It's not a doctor's job to tell you whether or not you should go to church or at least see your pastor. If you are a sinner, you should come to church. But these men with leprosy, as they walked to the temple, they could not feel themselves be healed. For all they knew, they, they, they still were and looked like men with leprosy. But when they got to the priests, the priests confirmed that they were healed. Likewise, it's my job as pastor to determine if you are free from your sin. And with absolute certainty, on the basis of what Christ has done, I can declare that you are forgiven. We walk by faith and not by sight. We do so confident of Jesus' help even before we see any evidence of it. Even if we still feel like and look like a sinner, we trust that Jesus' cleansing words of forgiveness will restore us to wholeness in the resurrection. We trust that when we hear the words, you are forgiven by a pastor or any other Christian, that we are forgiven by God himself. We are confident that when we receive Jesus' body and blood, 
in the Lord's Supper. We are truly enjoying not being separated from God, but being as close as we can possibly be this side of heaven, all because of the forgiveness declared to us, even though we can't yet see it. So let us live according to the Spirit and show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us give thanks to God like the, the, the Samaritan leper, the one man who, who would be expected to not come back. Let us thank God by going to where he is and using what he's given to us. Because it's here in word and sacrament that, that no matter what sin you struggle with, that you can be sure of God's forgiveness, help, and healing. Live as if you are cured. Because you are. In the words of Jesus, your faith has saved you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.